Hi, everyone. My name is Chris Horton, and, and I am the Director of Creative Services at the Northeast Conference. And today for Black History Month, we are having a conversation on a topic that me and my four panelists know very well, and that's being Black men in sports. For this conversation, I'm joined by four people of color who are open and uh, ready to share their experience today. So why don't we start by introducing ourselves, um, and then we can start by answering a few questions. All right, so let's go with Jason first. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Jason Marshall. I'm in my uh, seventh season coaching the uh, women's basketball team here at Central Connecticut State University. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 13th season overall coaching women's basketball, and I'm a uh, 2008 graduate of Ramapo College. I'm Keyshawn Graham. I'm a senior at St. Francis University. I play football originally from Philly and ready for this discussion. How we doing? My name is uh, Terrell Coburn. I coach uh, at Wagner College. This is my fifth season. I've uh, been a part of the program here. Um, this is also my 13th season coaching women's basketball as well. Um, I'm extremely excited and uh, very, uh, very, very excited to, to have this discussion today. Hi, I'm Daryl Laureus. I'm a graduate student at Merrimack College. I'm on the track and field team. I'm a jumper and a sprinter. No, I'm happy to be here. So my first question is a simple one, but a little bit uh, complex. Um, who is a black man either inside or outside of sports that inspires you? Um, well, for me, it's real easy. It's, it hits um, home. Um, I, it's my father. He's uh, currently the athletic director at Hampton University. His name is uh, you know Gene Marshall Jr. Um, he's been an athletic director for as long as I've been alive, as well as a college basketball coach. Um, he's coached both men and women. Um, I think, I believe the men for 11 years and women for about nine. So, um, you know, sports has been a part of my blood. Um, it's just something that I've known and grown up with. So uh, it's just, it's great. It's been great to have him as an example. Similar to Jason, um, my inspiration would be my father. Um, he has coached me, but I would definitely say that um, his impact has been much greater off the field. Um, he's helped me excel in the game of football and also the game of life. And I think just his example, you know, of how to be a black man in America and letting me know that it's not going to be easy, but it's definitely doable. You know, I definitely take those lessons to heart. Uh, for me, there's, there's a, there's a handful of black men um, that inspire me that we, we would be having a discussion for about an hour if I can go through all the names. So I'm right. not that, but I think that, for me, just there's a lot of black men that outside of sports that have inspired me just to continue to be of service to, to people in a positive aspect and use those use those those blueprints and tools to help individuals be successful in life. And and for us as black men, um, I think it's important, you know, for me that people of service in our communities to try to change the narrative of how we're how we're viewed our individuals that it really inspired me because I think that is just where we're at in our society right now. We're, we want to change our narrative as black men. So those individuals that, um, you know, inspire me or, or that's in the sport, outside the sport, it definitely keep, keeps me going. So I didn't necessarily have someone directly like in my life that I would see as much of an inspiration. I didn't really grow up with much of like father figures around or brothers really I grew up with just my mom two sisters but I think 
LeBron James actually is a pretty big inspiration for me, whether it's just within sports or outside of sports from the way he's carried himself outside of basketball from you know, when he first got to the league at 18 to a grown man now. He's sort of done everything right. And it's sort of like I see inspiration from him just like he's been tasked with having to become a great man without having a great man directly in his life. So that makes it so much harder. I think I've tried to model a lot of my behavior after him. I mean, I'm not a basketball player, but I still think there are a lot of lessons I can take from an athlete and as a black man in general, just from LeBron James alone. My next topic, I wanted to transition to the topic of representation in leadership. Uh, we are all asked to be leaders in our field, whether it's as assistant coaches helping your team, whether it's as teammates helping your teammates, or even as administrators on this side where you have to work together with a variety of people and experience levels to make sure that a number of things are done and completed. I wanted to ask you guys, why is it so important to have a person of color in a leadership uh, role, especially when it comes down to the people that you're impacting and coaching? Well, I mean, I think that the answer to that question is kind of something we've been seeing um, kind of unfold all year. Um, just the, the, the visualization, the things that we tell our, our athletes on how to be successful and how to win is you have to put yourself in that position and to, you know, physically see somebody that you may not know, but somebody that, you know, looks like you or may have a similar background, um, similar upbringing or similar circumstances of going through life. Um, it, it, it might give you that little bit of confidence just to, that you need that extra push that, all right, at some point I can still figure it out and I can get to my goal. And, well, I can be that, I can be that too. I mean, you know, there are those special people in the world that can um, have those visions and have that, have that strength without seeing it. But for a lot of us, it takes a little bit, it takes that just that one visual confirmation that it is possible to push us over the top. I think it's important to have advocates in those positions. So having people that understand our struggles, our triumphs, just everything that we go through, specifically as black men, I think that's key so that we can, um, you know, have people to fight for us, but then also have examples so that we know how to fight for the next generation. And I think that we're seeing this kind of play out in the NFL right now with the lack of black head coaches in the league that you have mm -hmm. now have players that are speaking out and saying that this is something that needs to happen and it's continuing to not happen. So now players are kind of getting outraged. And I think that kind of shows how important this is, not just to the production on the field, but the culture of the team. Yeah, that's, those are both great points. I just, I go back and look at just our history, you know, the history of this country and how black men have been perceived in this country and how we are looked upon and, and how we're judged. And so I think it's extremely important uh, that we have those positions of leadership. Leadership is bringing more leaders out. And when we can have those positions, we can in turn be of service, right? We always, we, we're always looked at and in a manner from the pop propaganda that's been spewed in this country at, right. as whether it's angry, whether it's aggressive um, in, in different aspects. And so when you can, when you can see individuals in those, in those leadership uh, components, uh, it's just a, it's a definite inspiration. And for us, we want to continue to be that picture, that positive picture for the younger generation, because we are leaders and we should be treated as such. 
And so I think it's extremely important. Yes, very similar to what you guys have said so far. It is pretty important to see people that do look like yourself in those leadership positions, just to sort of visualize, like, you know, there are some things that you probably thought weren't very possible for yourself. But once you see someone that looks like you do it, then it becomes a lot more reality than just a dream. And when, it is pretty important to, once we get into those positions, to remember where we came from, remember that the representation did matter, especially if it was someone who did look like you that inspired you to get to that position. And it's important to, once we get into that position, to just do things the way you want to do it and to make sure you are inspiring those that come after you. Yeah, I, I wanted to uh, circle back to Keyshawn's point about the lack of uh, African-American head coaches in the NFL. That league is 75% black. And yet there can't, we can't even get to half of having black head coaches in the league. Like every time that there is some sort of rising offensive coordinator or rising coordinator, it seems like the criteria changes for what they want in a head coach. So I don't understand why having a black person at that very visual role of leadership is not a priority to the NFL. I mean, it's not only just NFL, but I mean, if you really look at it, it's all sports leagues to some degree. It's women's basketball. Um, and we're not even talking about men, you know, male African-American coaches, talk about just female African-American coaches. It's not that many, um, you know, men, men's basketball, anything, it's just, it's, you know, sports is kind of like, you know, a microcosm of just the way the world is and how the world is structured. Um, so, and it's taking time and, and to, to continue to break through it. And we're now just kind of seeing more how that, you know, outside structure is not, it's not, you know, mutually exclusive to sports. Like it's still here. You can still kind of see how it is. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but we're continuing to break through it. To add to that point, I think the NFL, like many other sports leagues, you know, we know the history. It started out segregated and black people weren't brought, black men weren't brought into the NFL until it was advantageous to those teams, you know, until, okay, if we get this player, we'll be better. We can win the championship. So right. I think if you look at the NFL as a whole, not just the players, the players make up 75% and, you know, we're fighting for these coordinator jobs and these head coaching jobs. But looking at the rest of the NFL, those positions that we really don't pay attention to, those are all white people. You know, the ball boys, the people on the sideline giving them water, the people that are doing the business, that are making the deals, all those people are dominated by uh, usually white men, but definitely white people. And I think that that just kind of shows that we were never really wanted we were just advantageous. So it's like, here, you can take the, you should be happy to have these couple head coaching positions or these couple coordinator jobs, just go out and play. Yeah, those, those are both terrific points. Uh, there, was, there was this professor um, a few years back at University of Missouri, she uh, professor for journalism, did a study about how we're perceived in sports, black men, black women. and. The, the studies behind it was shown negative attention. There was more negative attention that was given to us in a sense, in, a, in any sport, right? So when you, when, you look at, when you look at the big picture and you look at the propaganda and how we're perceived, I believe that is the reason we're still asking 
like we're at the point now that numbers the numbers can go up and now they're down again and how we how we viewed upon how we looked at and i and i it's just it's it, to me it's just ridiculous it, it really is that we're still fighting for these leadership positions and then you have to look at you have to look at the representation of of who owns these teams who's uh in charge of the hiring processes all of those things are really important how do those people that makes those decisions view us as black men and black women they view us as what they see on tv and what is and what is like basically out in the world and so mm -hmm. what ends up happening is you don't you don't come and sit down and have a conversation with us you don't look at how we carry ourselves you just you just look at what was on tv or 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 the negative attention so i don't so when now i'm in that decision making role oh terrell is that type of person too you know and that, those things are just those things are ridiculous it, it, it really is and and i know i sound a little angry but it, it just is at a point where you know i feel you asking we're 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 when i like i look at jason me and jason been in this conference for a long time and yeah. you know yeah. and so i i for me, when I see coaches that at Wagner, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of black male coaches that I look up to at Wagner, that are terrific, terrific men, terrific leaders, and still haven't gotten the opportunities that they've gotten. I look at the bigger picture, and, and, and that that's really harming. It's really harming to 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 see that study and to see where we're at still. And this was a couple of years ago. This wasn't like 20, 30 years ago. This was a couple of right. years, you know. Right. So. Those those things those those things are really important. I think definitely like as of recent times, we've become a little bit more socially aware and conscious about what our roles are, especially in sports as black men. Before it was just sort of like a, you know, you just needed sports to get out of whatever situation you were in, and as long as you were in the league, especially as a player, you get a lot of the attention, you get paid a lot of money. You probably think that's as high as you can get, and isn't I guess like I said until recent times you realize there are a little bit, there are a lot more positions that we should be taking, especially in like a decision-making roles rather than just being used as bodies that are disposable. You know, no one's career lasts forever. So that I think it's, it usually comes a little too late once people realize how they're being used, especially black men, how we're being used in our sports, in our positions, once we're no longer able to hold those positions, once we just kick to the side, you realize that there are a lot more positions that we should be taking, but we just haven't been given those opportunities. But it is pretty tough. Yeah, I think, Terrell, uh, you bring up an incredible point where it's just about perception. And um, it's, it, it's not anger. It's just frustration that has built up uh, just for so long where you see a very qualified person get passed over for somebody else. So uh, let the anger out. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and it's a conversation that needs to be had. Um, but the idea of perception actually is a great segue into my second question, which is stereotypes. Um, I mean, we've heard all of the most cliched ones being around sports. Like if you're listening or watching this podcast, uh, close your eyes and imagine who I'm talking about when I say these phrases. He's a gym rat, coach's kid, scrappy, high IQ, He's the first one in, he's the last one out. And here's my favorite one. He's sneaky athletic. I've never heard of someone's athleticism being sneaky. Now, when you open your eyes and you hear all those characteristics, 
you're almost never talking about a black athlete. Almost never. When it comes to black athletes, it's usually about raw athleticism. It's usually their athleticism is the reason why they are where they are, why they are so good, while never ever offering the, them the credit for the mental side of the game, the skillful side of the game. So I wanted to ask you guys, how do we, from our positions, end these tired tropes when we're having conversations about athletes? And we can even open that up to job um, opportunities. Well, I, I mean, I, that's a great question. Uh, and you could attack it from a lot of different ways. So I'm gonna try to hit one of the points and hopefully it goes into both. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we have to just be, first thing is being conscious, conscious of the, of the stereotypes, conscious of the perceptions you have of yourself and, you know, of the situation you're in um, and continue to, you know, do have, you know, have the actions or do the work, do the things to, um, you know, dissuade all those stereotypes consistently, no matter what's said or what's done in any situation, um, you know, make, make those doubters or those that have those type of um, views of you, um, you know, see who you are through you just being, being steady and consistent. You know, I think perception is everything and perception is, is, is the reason we have a lot of views. It's, you know, we're doing the same, we're doing the same things. This is all about how you look at it, I feel. Um, and we can't, you know, we can't necessarily force somebody to, you know, look at us a certain way or change, you know, their view of us without them seeing, without them seeing the result in us, them seeing the work and seeing how we do things, how we conduct ourselves and whatever, whatever that may be, um, whether it be on the field or the court showing that, you know, we, we are, you know, on top of our athleticism, you know, we have a great intellect. We know how to set it down screen and pop and we know what a cross screen is and how to get over phase and defend. Um, and also, in, you know, in a job world as well, you know, um, I don't know, I don't know about Terrell. I'm just going to speak for things that I've heard about myself because every every coach has um, some type of different stereotype. But you know, it's always it's always thought of that you know the uh, the black coaches, um, the young coaches are the ones that are the relationship makers. You know, those that are close to the kids and the recruiters. Um, and for some reason, we're not always thought. It's not a, not every situation, but not always thought to be the ones, the thinkers and very good at X's and O's and putting together game plans. Um, and in certain, in some situations that may be true, but it may not just, it's not, may not because be because, because we're African-American, maybe because we just, we just haven't been taught yet. Just the system we've come up with, it was more of a run and gun. We didn't have to worry about setting a down screen or a cross screen or what a fade is, or, you know, and understand terminology like pin, pin down and stuff like that. You know, so I think it's a, it's all about perception because you know one person might think um, being that that coach that's 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 good at, at recruiting and building relationships and having good chemistry with the kids is a bad thing, and I think it's the best thing because you can't have a you can't have a a program um, or or be successful without having a strong relationship. Absolutely. So I think it's about perception and it's about you know us being aware of how we're perceived and us doing the work of continuing to just change that, you know, change that view, despite what people think. I think the interesting thing about perception is that we have to evaluate it. So I think we have to do introspection, like Jason said, and see 
you know, how much of this is true. And then also look at the people that are perceiving us and see, okay, why are they seeing me this way? You know, is it a them thing or is it a me thing? And we actually had an issue with this um, at St. Francis with our football team where the team was being perceived a certain way. You know, we were being perceived as intimidating or, you know, we just did whatever we wanted to do and we lived by our own rules on campus. And, you know, we were sat down as a team and this issue was brought up. And basically, you know, when after allegation after allegation, we began speaking back to the person asking like, what, what are we doing? you know, to make these people feel intimidated? What are we doing to make them feel that we live by our own rule? And there was really no evidence. You know, there were just, just how they felt. So I feel like the important part of perception is people are gonna feel how they're gonna feel. You know, I can enter the room as a black man and some people will, you know, feel proud that I'm in the room and other people will be scared. If I didn't do anything to evoke either emotion, I can't, I can't live my life trying to change, you know, just to make this person not feel um, frightened if there's no reason for them to be frightened. So I think that we definitely need to do introspection and be better versions of ourselves where we can be. But, you know, when it's just the stereotypes as the question started, started with, I don't think that um, it's our job to, you know, settle other people's anxiety about stereotypes that don't really mm. apply to us. Yeah, those, those, yeah, those are those are terrific points. Both, both of you, terrific points. I'm just, again, for me, like I just go back to history, man. Like I just, you know, you go back to the, that that Texas, the Texas Western team, right? And you got you got them against Kentucky, and they they win the national championship to make a point. You go back, you know, I, I coach I look up to Nolan Richardson. You go back to when they did the national championship, and all those things were said before though before that game, and 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 how we were perceived. And again, it's just it, it's it's just it's just negative attention. It's propaganda. It's not you know our, our us as people and how we've come up and what we've been going through. We're just viewed a certain type of way, and it's it's unfortunate, but it's it's reality. And so when you look when you look at it, you know from a big picture, uh, how do how do we want to go forward? How do we want to continue to to try to make sure that we carry a positive um, a positive representation in a sense, because you look at, you look at players and you say, okay, they're fast and they're, you know, they're athletic, they can jump high and you, and you automatically, you automatically say that's a black athlete. Um, and then you look at from a coach side, oh, you know, they're, they're great. Like Jason said, they're great relationship builders and, and, and these things, they, they, they're only good to recruit. We're, we're going to hire that person because all they can do is recruit. You know, those are, those those stereotypes are because of what is out in the world, the propaganda, how we're viewed as people, how we're viewed as individuals, what, what we're, so how we're viewed is how we're going to be used, how we're viewed is how we're going to be used. And so I don't, for me, like I, I carry myself a certain type of way because I see all of that history. I see all of those things that's going on in our communities. I see all of those things and how people perceive us and look at us and make those decisions based on what they, what they view instead of, like I said before, sitting down and having a conversation with us, sitting down and getting to know us uh, and, and knowing our background. Uh, there, was, there was something that I read that's just, you know, it's, it's alarming, but at the same token, it's, it's, it's true. Uh, it, you know, and this is the negative attention that we get. 
Um, you have athletes, you have black athletes that go to college and they and they're given majors so they can have the easy way out. They don't, you know, that we when we when, when we get athletes that come to school, what what's your passions? What are you good at? What do you love? You know, what do you want to do out outside of basketball or football or those type of things? Um, we don't have enough coverage on an individual like Michael Jordan, who's the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, that's positive, right? We don't have a lot of coverage on other individuals that do successful yeah. things outside of the sport. So we're mm -hmm. so now when you look at those little things that we can't read a screen, we can't do this. So now we can't perform. We can't perform another passion outside of the sport. We can't do all these things because we're we're viewed how we you know we're used how we you know we're viewed how we should be used. And so, like all of those things are just it's it's mind boggling. You know, Michael Jordan is the owner, but the 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 narrative on him is that he was a great player, but he's a bad owner. He can't make the decisions, but that, but what? That makes no sense to me, you know? And for him to be the owner, he had to be the greatest basketball player of all time. Right, right. Just to have that access yeah. to being able to own a team. A lot of that stuff is just based off of all the old narrative mm -hmm. and based off of something that happened at a time when Michael Jordan, he was, he was not a great owner in the beginning when he first started, when he had never done it before. He's gotten better over the years. I mean, as anybody else does. You know, it's like, you know, you're seeing, we're seeing the evolution and us expanding and getting better in different areas. So they got to hold on to that, that that first thing, that first mistake or that first whatever, right. chink or whatever you want to call it. Because then eventually as we continue to go on, we evolve, we develop and we, we get better. It's just it's what it is. It's, it's, it, and that's the, that's the key phrase, and I agree with that 100%. This is like the younger generation. The, young, the younger generation, you see, you see both sides of the spectrum. We're still part of that younger generation. I see, I see both of those things, and, I, I, and it's what we want to we wanna be able to change the stereotype or the narrative, but like, how do we do that when you keep holding on to, the, to those, those inclinations that you, you, you brought up? So, you know, for us, we have to we have to be better right we have to carry ourselves a certain type of way and be better because we're looked upon in that old fashion and it's again i'm very passionate about it so i don't want to come off as you know upset because i'm not i'm just i'm just passionate about those things for us as black men black women we have a lot to offer from a leadership standpoint and these stereotypes that are out here, you can have a stereotype because you, you have these preconceptions, but sit down and talk to us, get to know us, and, and, and don't look at the negative propaganda in a sense of that's every one of us, because it isn't. And I think that is, that is where we have to continue to lead forward uh, with sports and outside of sports and how we're viewed on as continually showing that we can be in these positions of leadership. I think, as Jason said earlier, the best way to sort of deal with these stereotypes is just to be conscious of them, be conscious of yourself and how a lot of those stereotypes are being like placed upon you. Because a lot of the times they're, they're used in forms of like a compliment when really they're just like microaggressions. Like as an athlete, I've heard billions of times, like, you know, he's naturally fast or naturally gifted, but I've seen white athletes right next to me put up the same numbers, do the same things that I do, look very similar to me, like stature, but they're the ones that get labeled as, you know, technically sound, he's a hard worker, all of this. And I'm, I'm like the naturally fast guy. And I just got lucky sometimes, or even outside of sports. I've, I remember my freshman year, I walked into my class 
I had a hoodie on and sweatpants. And it was one of the first classes and the professor was taking attendance as students walked through the door. He saw me and he was like, the first thing he said, he was like, let me guess, basketball. I was like, what? Like, I was like, glorious last name, first name, Daryl, thank you. But I was like, like I said, those stereotypes, they get thrown at you. And if I wasn't aware, I was pretty, I've been pretty aware of like how stereotypes are placed on me. But I feel like if I wasn't aware, I would have just been like, haha, that's funny, but no, I do track. But he thought it was a joke. He thought it was funny. But it's like a lot of those microaggressions, those stereotypes being placed on you. I think it, it is kind of hard too, because what could I do? Like, I can't stop being fast. I can't stop being like a hard worker, even if no matter how much, no matter how hard I work, I'll still be labeled as naturally this. That hard work is sort of taken away from me. So I, I don't know what else could we do other than just continue being conscious of it, try to teach more people about it. I, really wouldn't know honestly because I like I said I still have to deal with those with those same microaggressions being thrown at me to this day and I know better now I know how to handle it I know how to talk to mm -hmm. certain people tell them that this isn't right this isn't right you shouldn't just you know say someone is this just because of how they look but I'm you know you can only go so far with words the one thing that I did want to expound uh, expound upon which would be the uh way that we talk about athletes and the consequences that of what you're saying when it's applied in other circumstances outside of sports. So when we say that a certain subset of people, a certain subset of athletes have a high IQ, they're the first one in and the last one out. And the other subset is just naturally athletic. If you break that down, what we're saying is that this one person is smart and works hard and the other person was just has this natural ability they don't work hard and when you take those tropes and you apply it to job applications or trying to get a house or um even in a broader sense uh cops and uh that's where it becomes extremely, um, where you could literally cost somebody's life by holding on to these tired stereotypes. So um, again, you guys brought up incredible, incredible points, but um, I'm just gonna move on to our next one. Um, it's our fourth question. Um, in the aftermath of the George Floyd murder and the national awakening when it came to racism and race. Um, we as a conference created Champions for Change, which was a platform for everyone in our conference, uh, coaches, ad admins, students, to share their own experiences around social injustice and really show people that this isn't something that just happens on your phone or happens on the TV. This happens to your teammates. This happens to other people in your conference, your peers almost every day. And uh, Keyshawn, you had a really powerful story that I reread um, last night about how a young woman, she didn't wanna share a sidewalk with you, but then she returned to her spot on the street once your group had left. And this leads me into my question, which is why can people cheer for you when you're on the court, when you're on the field, when you're on the track? but they don't show you that same kind of support when you're not in your uniform? I think that's a great question. Um, 
know, I think it kind of goes back to one of my points earlier um, about the NFL and, you know, bringing Black people in as an advantage. Um, I think that those people who won't support us off the field and off the court just view us as entertainment, you know, that they are bored, they need something to do, and, you know, this is, this is something fun to do, something fun to go watch. And I, I think they don't really separate us um, as human beings, you know, and the things that we go through. And I think we can also see that in not just with uh, collegiate, collegiate sports, but you can see that in the NFL, you know, when people, players go through things and in real life and then they act out, you know, they have emotional responses. They're held to much higher regard, you know, where people, if you're at a regular job, it's like, oh, okay, well, he just had a, a loss in his family. So we understand, we need to give him time. You know, you're still expected to come in. You're still expected to be on all your P's and Q's. So I think that it's just the separation of us being human. You know, that's what it really comes down to, that we're just something to, to do, something to watch. And, you know, once it's over, all right, I'm going to go home and you go back to wherever you came from and we'll do this again next Saturday. I mean, honestly, man, I wish I had an answer to that. That is something I, I have no idea. Um, you know, I, I just don't, because I don't think like that. So I don't, I can't come up with a, with a logical answer of why somebody would feel that way. Um, you know, the best thing I can come up with is, is anything is just lack of, lack of experience, lack of knowledge, lack of, of being around people and being around, you know, a certain, a certain type of set of people. I mean, and, you know, just being sheltered kind of basically your whole life. And then when you um, get in that situation and you have to interact with those, I'm, you know, going beyond just sports right now. Um, you know, people fear different, fear change until you can, you know, get in a situation where, you know, they can help you out or get in a situation where, you know, you have an opportunity to get to know, you know, that, you know, that other person and, and see that, oh, you know what, well, we are really similar in a certain way. So, I, you know, I think in a, in, in a lot of things, um, just lack of experience um, and lack of exposure, um, you know, really adds to the hesitation of, of going to something new. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, you know, it's just, it's just the uh, miseducation of, of individuals in, in this country. Our, our country is like, when you look at how we're viewed, that's all we were, we, in, in the history of this country, that's how we've been viewed as entertainment, period. And so when you, even when you go back to the civil, the, the civil rights movement, all these things, these are people that are still living that aren't black, that still have these same views as on, on us. When you when you hear the word progress and, and where, how we want to continue to show, like we have to show that we're that we have emotions. We have to we have to put these stories and, and, and create these stories out to show that we are human, that we that we do have emotions, that we do get upset, that we you know we do go through things. That um, it's it's unfortunate. Um, that were viewed as just entertainment in a sense. And I, you know, my, my, my solution is just continue to continually change, change it, change it however we can and, and, and whatever uh, box we're in, even outside of sports. We are more than just playing the, you know, playing basketball, catching the football. We have, we have a lot of different interests. We have 
a lot of different passions. And when you're really good, when you're really good at the sport, that's that's what's really left. That's that's the conclusion is that that person is just really good at that sport. So I always love to see um, individuals that play the sport that was really good at it or great at it, and they're doing something else and they're great at it. I love to see black men and black women that are excelling in other things besides the sport. Um, and I think that's for the, for the younger generation to see that we can do more than play sports. We can do more than entertain in that aspect. Um, and, and, it's, and it's cool. It's cool if you wanna, if you wanna be something besides uh, a basketball player or a football player, or when you're done playing football or basketball because it gave you a great opportunity to get your education on uh, the sense of expanding your knowledge um, to, to find your passions and your purpose in life. The younger generation, we see that and it's like, that's, that's cool. We, we wanna be like that. And um, you know, it's unfortunate to, to, to have those stories that we have to come out with about uh, when I'm done playing the sport or you know, I was pulled over after I had a great basketball game by a cop who didn't care that I played, that, that I had a great game or whatever. I was going Amen. to play college ball, didn't care, didn't matter. You know, those are, those are unfortunate things, but I just feel for us, we just continue to celebrate one another. We continue to celebrate stuff outside of the sports. And, and, and maybe if we continue to celebrate each other and support each other, and we can shift, we can shift a lot of these narratives and maybe uh, other individuals that aren't black or other people of color will you know, do the same for us or treat us that same way. I think uh, as Keyshawn said, it's pretty hard for a lot of people to sort of think of somebody outside of their sport, their respective sports. Easy to see black bodies as commodities, I guess when you're just watching them on TV, but you forget to make that connection that they are humans outside of their uniform even if you actually do see them outside of their uniform. So that's like, like even as Jason said, it, it is, I don't really know how that happens because I don't think like that. But there are some people that would be like scared to share the sidewalk with you if they just were just cheering for you at the game or whatever. So like it, it is tough. I think as Terrell also said, it would be better for us to probably you know, pursue things outside or not outside of sports, just more than just being an athlete, just do, do more outside of your sport. But it's also kind of tough that that's what it would take for someone to see you as anything other than just entertainment. Like we naturally would have to do something more than just being an athlete. We have to do a little bit more for people to see us as people. We have to express certain emotions. We have to speak out. We have to make the conscious effort to let people know like we are humans. And that's how it has been. That's how it always has been. Hopefully it wouldn't continue, but I guess progress to use it loosely has been made, but I think we can go a lot further with it. Yeah, I think one of the greatest things to come out of 2020 and the George Floyd protests was athletes aren't just okay with just being athletes anymore. Like, I think the future of athletes is being multi-dimensional when it comes to who you are, your identity, and how you want to impact your own community. It's not just playing your sport. Yes, playing your sport probably most likely gave you access to um, things that you've never had access to 
before and probably a whole lot of fans, but I think the future of athletes um, is in great hands where they understand that it's not just about playing your sport anymore. It's about impacting your community and really trying to make a change with the platform that you earned by being a great athlete. My final question for today, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, what can people do um, in not just your own communities, uh, but in the entire NEC to help Black men feel more supported, not just on the field, but off the playing field? You know, I, I think, um, you know, providing more opportunities you know, like this, not, you know, outside of February and more um, opportunities where we can meet and, and, and socialize with black, with other black coaches and other sports, you know, male or female, um, you know, throughout our conference and not just with our conference, but our, you know, our surrounding conference regionally and whatever, you know, just provide those opportunities for connection and, and having dialogue. Um, I think it is, it is key, you know, the relationship as, for, as well as with anything, you know, building a relationship is is the key to change. I think an important thing is seeing us as human, you know, waiting to have interactions with us before you decide who we are. And I also think, you know, we talk about systemic racism all the time with not just athletics or academics, but I think the only way that you really change that is you systemically implement solutions. So I think we need to identify what the issues are, you know, in the in the NEC, in the NCAA, and everywhere, and then sit down and make plans. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We should have this by year one, this by year two, this by year three, so that we can weed out these issues. Yeah, those are those are terrific, terrific solutions. And and as far as supporting us as as people of color, black men. Black women, other minorities. I just think that the, these these platforms are, you know, I think they're a great start uh, in, in the dialogue aspect of, so people can see where we're coming from, kind of see our mindset with certain things, and at the same time, like Jason, you know, reiterated with not just doing it in February. For me, and I think I can speak for all of us, Black History isn't just in February. When you know these platforms are are given upon us, it's it's really great to see you know, all of us in different aspects be able to, to talk and, and to get those ideas out there um, on what's important. Keyshawn, the point about systemic racism is, is right on point. Um, there's so many systemic things going on uh, in sports, outside of sports that needs to be fixed. Uh, I think the, the big thing for us is just having these opportunities to, you know, like Jason said, build relationships, sit, sit down and have dialogue, be able to interact and talk with different coaches in, in, in the conference and, and in the NCAA. And I think we have made a little progress, but it, 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 it's definitely a, a lot more to uh, build on and, and, and continue to grow. And you just, this is the foundation. This is the foundation. Uh, so we have to continue to do these things to, to make sure this foundation stays strong so we can uh, continue to build for coaches that want to coach at this level and, and, and look, look just like us and know that they have an opportunity, know that they're gonna be given uh, chances. Those are, those are other narratives that are out on us that we don't deserve chances. Um, and then looking at um, comparisons, 
right? We, you, you look at decision makers compare. Uh, we, we as black men, we have to stop comparing each other and start celebrating each other. I think mm-hmm. we'll get more support that way when we start celebrating one another more. And, you know, I, I, I do, I, I really, really can't stand the GOAT conversation in our community. All of them are great. All of them are, period. Right. They all have different parts that they bring to the game. They all have different things that they bring off the, off the court and off the field. Don't compare us. Stop comparing us. We're all great. We're all, we're all kings. We're all queens. And, and, and I think we'll get more support uh, when, when that narrative is out there. I think just to make it as broad as possible, ultimately just listen to Black men. There are a lot of things that they have to say. Their feelings are valid. We have to know that other people believe that too, not just us. We have to know that we're seen as more than just athletes, more than just coaches. And if we do make up a big part of whatever you know athletic department that we belong to, like we have to know that our voices are being heard. So ultimately listening to us as we like, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what we're going through, we have to know that somebody's listening to us. I think that's probably the best solution. I also think it's super, it's very, very, very important to, to mention that things like this, having young coaches and young men, young women that are in grad, that are seniors in college and grad students um, that have that, that desire to get into it at a young age, inviting them into the conversation and having them lead the change because it's, it's important because, I mean, they are the ones that are really going to be involved at some point in the nitty gritty of this coaching thing because they're going to be the older ones with the experience and having gone through it and having the opportunity to connect with different people that me and Terrell at this point aren't just aren't going to connect with you know so continuing to educate the youth and those that are willing to listen and open in their eyes you know like the things are changing within the country is is what we have to do here and and we can't it's tough but we can't be frustrated because we got to think about, think logically and think about like, it took 400 years for us to come here. So it ain't gonna change in, in one or two, we gotta keep going, keep going. So we might not see it, but we gotta be the ones that initiate. I think this all just ties back to our first or our second question where having people of color in a leadership role and having their experiences um, be listened to when your Black student athletes uh, want you to listen is so important because it's not just the NEC, it's other conferences where a lot of the leadership roles at the top at our schools are unfortunately uh, just white men and women. So I think it's just important to have people in those roles So when your black student athletes come to you with a valid issue, it's important to hear their experiences and understand their experiences. Um, I have one final question. Do you guys have any questions for each other? Because I I know we we unpacked and we had a lot of great conversations here. So I wanted to give you guys a chance to ask uh, any of the other people in the conference. So, I do go to Merrimack. This is our second year in conference. So, I mean, last year we sort of had to cut the year short. I don't know if has anything happened like this, at least for February or ever in the conference, or is it just sort of like a 
a really long response to last summer? I would say um, I would say it's more of a response to last summer. Um, and this is where I have to shout out Alexis Watson and all of the work that she's been doing. She's our equity and inclusion advisor. And um, she has just been so passionate and she has been extremely um, aware that these conversations need to be brought to the forefront of the NEC. Um, so this is something, this is definitely new territory, but it's a great territory that we're starting to navigate down. Um, and I think it's very important to have these conversations. And like Terrell said, like Black History Month is not just in February. Like we need to make sure that these conversations are had, make sure that change is at least um, trying to happen, especially when all of the sports comes, comes back and we're not in a COVID world. Um, I think these conversations still need to happen. I just wanted to add on to that point. You know, I think it's important for us to make this, um, to submit this and not just leave it as a train, you know, not just leave this as in response to last summer or, you know, tensions are kind of high right now, so let's do something. And I think that is definitely important and the work that will come out of this will be even more important. Yeah, and, and um, just doing the numbers count, uh, hoops, football, track and field, those are our largest sports. And those have usually our largest number when it comes to people of color. And we wanna make sure that you guys are heard. And I think it's, um, I think it's something that we can definitely improve. Um, and I think it starts with conversations like this and I think we can do even more. That was an important conversation that I hope just a lot of people take the time to actually listen to what you are saying because it's important to have all of your voices heard. I would like to thank Jason, Keyshawn, Terrell, and Daryl for joining us today. And this has been an NEC Now.